Elizabeth Loving. Welcome Mark. to a waste of 31 minutes of our time. That's right. Finally. I know we've had a couple. We've had a we've had a couple of misstep weeks. Uh, uh, my vacation, your business travel, um, <laughs> just uh, everything under the sun kept us from having time to to chit and chat. That's right. Life. Life I happens. Try. I was telling somebody who didn't know the show about the rawness of the of the show all the way back from like when I was doing it with, um, you know, with uh, uh, Marcus, Jim, and Kisha, and then Kisha and I did it for a while, you're doing it with me. Uh, there's another guy who wants to come on and, 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 and chat. And I said, it's just, a, it's just a raw conversation about what's going on in the world and what we see. And uh, we put it up without, uh, without any pretenses, without any editing. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And I'm like, okay. It takes yeah. a little bit of guts, I guess. <laughs> A little bit. Well, there's a, a lot of people. Um, there was somebody I, I read the other day posted about they need to perfect, like they're afraid of putting a video up on LinkedIn, that it has to be perfect. And I told them, I said, just do it. Just get it up and let it go. And, you know, don't worry about perfection because there's not such a, really a thing. And instead of getting good quality content up, you're worried about how perfect you look or sound or what have you. And, you know, but I am quite sure you're dropping some great nuggets of, uh, of information that we're not getting to hear because you're so worried about perfection. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the hardest part is showing up. They say that all the time for any, for anything. If you can get there, if you can get it up, then you've made the hardest step. Huge part of the battle is just, is just doing it. And, and not worrying about it. And that's that's actually um, one of the things I really like about um, about Gary Vaynerchuk is he talks about just, you know, putting the content up and some of it will be great, some of it won't, it doesn't matter, right? We're, we're so, things go by our lives in such a flash these days where we're inundated with so much content that we really don't have to worry if something isn't perfect because everyone's gonna pretty much move on in two minutes anyway. Yeah. Yeah, our attention span is what, like 20 characters or whatever Twitter is? We're, yeah. We're a, we're a bunch of peas. Um, mm-hmm. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it would be nice to, uh, I, I, I encourage people, you know, everyone has a, um, a voice and has, a, and has an opinion about things. So, you know, get out there, put it on there. Or we talked about this, I think, the last time we got together, which is, you know, uh, go and sign up for uh, a site like um, Clubhouse and, um, you know, get out there and join a conversation and, 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 and drop your, drop your knowledge bombs on people. Mm-hmm. I did join Clubhouse. Thank okay. you for introducing me to it. I haven't done anything except signed up and I've like started to try and follow people, you know. Have you popped into any conversations yet? No. No? Okay. See, I'm, I am what we're talking about right now. I'm nervous to take the first step. And for someone that has a degree in performance, you really think I would be less apprehensive about some things? Are you, not, are you not opera singer extraordinaire? I am. Yes, that's what some people call me. <laughs> okay. So why? So what's the fear? Um, I think it's 
it's a new realm of performance for me, right? So for, you know, being in a business conversation, I don't know that Clubhouse per se would be nervous to me. I just haven't done that. But LinkedIn, for instance, coming up and sharing my advice and my experiences, you know, I'm, I'm sure I grapple with the same fears as other people, but is what I have to say worth listening to? Or, you know, am I going to look like an idiot on LinkedIn? I apparently don't have a problem looking like an idiot on this podcast. So, <laughs> well, this could look, I think these kinds of conversations in and of themselves calling out some reality to that fear is, is worthy. And I, so you are performing someone else's work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, call it an opera. And I'm, by the way, I, I, I've never asked you what your favorite opera is, but, um, you know, perform, let's stay with this topic for a second, then we'll get to that. Performing okay. an opera, someone else's work, yeah, do a good job, but probably the, the mere mortals uh, in the world aren't going to notice if you miss um, a single note. You might notice, but they're not. And, you know, you can cover it up and keep going. Yeah. Um, different than when you're actually talking about your own stuff. Yes, that's correct. I mean, not that anyone would know that what I'm saying about my own stuff is necessarily incorrect, but they may disagree with my opinions or have contrary advice, which I'm definitely open to, um, or I don't know, but I, that's something that's been a goal of mine for this year is to be more confident in my own opinions and feelings about things that I do and just share them with people. So podcast is step number one. I'm working on the other steps. (laughs) No, I, well, I think this is good. I think it's good that you're taking the step for sure. But I also think it's good for, I think it is important to recognize that which holds us back, um, mm-hmm. you know, recognize it, give it, give it reality and then, and then shoot it in the head and move on. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> Just right. do it and get it over with. It's the same with every, any sort of business, you know, that I do that probably you do. You just have to do it. And then once you've taken the first step, the rest of it's easy. Just keep going. You know, sometimes you trip, sometimes you fall. It doesn't really matter. Sometimes you are elevated to the next level. Yeah. As long as you're putting it out there. Well, I think like for me, doing this, doing these shows that I do has changed my own confidence in public speaking. Um, I wasn't a super nervous public speaker, but I definitely had butterflies right before. And I was concerned in the first, always in the first few minutes until I got mm-hmm. my down. Now, I think because I'm so often in a public space, at least my voice is in a public space on a regular basis, I am um, far less nervous about, about uh, getting out there, whether I'd be hosting something or speaking at um, these days, mostly virtual type things. But um, mm-hmm. I think in general rule, my own particular um nervous butterflies seem to have uh have have left and moved on yeah. mm-hmm. well and how was it though when you first started this the podcasts and because oh, how long have you been doing both of them well now uh, just one channel but 31 minutes type things like this um this is going on a year now almost um corporate thought is two years yeah. um there we just uh the corporate thought the long form interviews we published the 44th interview this week, um, but there's also all sorts of the funny little, um, 
you know, top, uh, the 10 lists and other things I've done. And then we have these. So, you know, total content is, you know, there's, there's, I think more than certainly more than a hundred, um, things posted on, uh, the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, opportunities where I was, where I was out there staying, saying stupid stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so in the beginning, sure. I can go back to a couple of those first interviews and I remember, um, I remember talking like this and being very formal and, um, and the response from the other person was very formal and uh, the microphones were intimidating and the whole thing was a little intimidating. And now, not at all. I mean, today, when I'm not even, I'm usually worried about the quality of the audio, but I want to get the content out there. So right now I'm driving and hopefully it's not going to make for bad audio, but um, I, you know, it's going to be the best I can make it under the circumstances and it's yeah. going to be out there. Mm-hmm. At least it's there. So what was the motivation when to start the podcast? So a long, long time ago, I was a um, long, long time ago, I was uh, blogging on Maritime, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about in the early 2000s when most people weren't um, necessarily blogging, let alone on Maritime Law. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's a niche blog oh, yeah. market. For a very limited audience of 10 people in the whole world. Um, <laughs> but I, well, I, I was doing a couple of things. I was doing that. I was practicing law in, in, in Georgia and I was doing, and I was doing the, uh, the, the, the blog, which was uh, called Proctor and Admiralty. And at the same time, I also, as part of a, of a leadership um, class I was in, I launched with a group, we launched a free to the user um, Wi-Fi network in the historic squares in Savannah, Georgia. Now, today, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but I have to tell you that in 2003, 2004, nobody was even using Wi-Fi, practically. It's true. Right? We're talking, we're talking, you know, early days of this kind of thing. And here we are launching free to the user Wi-Fi. And you're like, well, what can I do with it? Well, you can take your laptop and you can sit out in the park and you can be connected to the internet because people didn't have smartphones. Right. So, I mean, I know this is all very hard to understand, but that landed me on um, my first sort of, I think at that time, my first national um broadcast, which was um, NPR's Morning Edition. Mm. And so uh, that created for me, uh, huh, this is interesting. And here I am and I'm, and I'm, and I'm blogging. And the, and the blog, I wound up getting a job, um, which I think I was probably young for at the time. But uh, they saw something in me, which is great. So I, I clearly wasn't too young for the job. And it just changed my focus on these type of things. So when I decided, that's a long backstory, but when I decided to put the, the, uh, the, the podcast together, it was partially because what is today's blogging? Well, to a large extent, I think it is podcasting. Blogs are still popular. Uh, medium articles, which I write on occasion, are, are popular. But I think the audio um, type of 
experience, and maybe even video, and, and we keep talking about moving this into a video show too, has really taken off. The, the, the fact of the matter is that we can record a show like this. Um, I mean, this show has no production values, let's be honest. And, we, <laughs> and even on Corporate Thought, which has modest production values, you know, it doesn't take a lot of money to spend on equipment. It doesn't take a lot of money to spend on software, software and technology. And you can have a pretty decent sounding radio show um, without a lot of effort. Yeah. And so there you have it. But, it, but in the beginning, yes, it was nerve-wracking to do those interviews. It was nerve-wracking even to ask people if they wanted to come on the show, right? In those early days, it was like me asking people to come on the show. Now I get a dozen or more requests a week to come on the show. So I can pick and choose who would make for the kind of guest, the kind of, of conversation that I think that the audience will enjoy, that they will learn something from, and that they'll get something out of. Mm -hmm. It's opened up a lot of opportunities just by being consistent with it over the years, too. I think that's the other thing. You can't, you can't sort of hesitate, start, stop. I take seasons, I take a few weeks off here and there, um, because it is time consuming. But uh, generally speaking, if you're going to put out a show, you got to put out content with some, with some regularity. Yeah. So pretty much every Wednesday, people know they're going to get corporate thought. Mm -hmm. Most Fridays, they're going to get 31 minutes. <laughs> Most Fridays. <laughs> At the, you know, a little, little less consistency, but, but the whole show is, is, is designed to be a little more spur of the moment, as you know. I do. Yes. I think we had all of what, four minutes preparation. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, you know, who knows what we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk about things that are of interest. So I would say to the listening audience, anyone who is interested in um, coming on the show or actually not coming on this show, but having their own show, I should say, you know, we are happy to provide tips and tricks and resources. You know, we use anchor, which is owned by Spotify as our, as our hosting platform. Um, you know, you can literally buy a, um, a USB mic, which will get the job done. My mic's a little bit fancier, but not much, um, you know, uh, for any, any, any cleanup of audio, there's plenty of tools out there. Anchor even has its own tools, uh, or I use GarageBand on my Mac, um, which comes with it. So complicated? No, not really. Once you figure out how to do these things, it's not, uh, uh, it's not rocket science. And the other thing is, and in the beginning, I used Fiverr. So I don't know, do you know Fiverr? I don't know Fiverr. I wish, I wish, I wish they were an, an, an advertiser, but they're not. So this is all, this is true. This is not with, no one's paying me to say these things about these companies. Um, so at least about Fiverr. So Fiverr is a, um, it's a, a portal to, uh, to, to gig labor, right? To people who uh, get hired for projects. And everything is there. You can get people to write content for you. You can get people to do research for you. Um, I was using somebody to to do all the audio work on the podcast, on the Corporate Thought Podcast in the beginning when I didn't know how to use um, GarageBand. Oh, and interesting. I, you find people all over the world and they charge you a fee and you figure out what it is. You can 
build a website. You can do so, so many things that there are talented people out there who just want to work on, you know, either it's their side hustle or maybe it's even their full-time deal, but they're, but they're working on project-based economy and, you know, they're charging you for a product. And it, and it's, I think it's called Fiverr because like, you know, you can afford it, right? You can five bucks, but oh. yeah, different ones are different prices, but it depends what you're doing, right? right. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a category for almost any single thing you can outsource in your life, um, project-wise or otherwise for your business or your side hustle or for yourself. And you can find, you know, you can, you can find virtual uh, admins, you can find all sorts of things on Fiverr. And you also get to see the reviews of what other people say about them. Uh, there's sliding scales of pay. There's all sorts of little things you can do with it. It's pretty cool. Cool. I'm going to have to check that out because I always have random projects too that I can need help with. It's part of it is recognizing what my strengths are and what they are not and well, getting the things that are not my strengths. No, look, that's, and I think that's the other problem, right? We sometimes, I'm, I'm guilty of it as others are, of saying, well, I, I can just do it for myself or, or, or I get cheap with myself and I say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to pay somebody. Well, the fact is they're going to do a better job and faster and I'm going to put countless hours into something and it's not going to necessarily ever turn out well. And I say, oh, well, I need to learn how to do it. I want to learn how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Learn how to do it. Now move on and give it to somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is a, look, time is a finite commodity. And I'm a person who can get a lot of sleep. Uh, and I work late when I have to, when I do whatever it takes, but I recognize that even with me pushing the boundaries of what, of, of how many hours I have in a day and somehow trying to convince myself that there's more than 24 hours in the day at the end, of, at the end, there really aren't. And so, you know, finding the resources in others who know what they're doing, who are experts in that area, why not take advantage of it? Yeah. I totally agree. We do ourselves a disservice when we when we get when we get cheap that way. Um, again, I'm 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 as guilty of it as the next person. So, um, but I have been learning that that is that, that does not make for an intelligent use of my time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the the bigger lessons to learn is that is what's the highest and best use of your own personal time, of one's own personal time. And considering that's the great equalizer, right? There's no one, it doesn't matter how much money you have or how little money you have. We all have the same amount of time in a day. So how are we going to utilize it? And well, yeah. And then you have that, and then you do have that question about how do you use your time and yeah. what, is, what are the best uses of your time? Now, I would also argue that sitting binge watching uh is most likely not a great use of your time i um do have to agree but also acknowledge that i have done a fair share of binge watching whatever it may be <laughs> is that just a COVID thing or is that a lifetime thing um I can't tell the difference anymore, but <laughs> I would say um, it certainly picked up during COVID. <laughs> and um, 
Uh, that's probably, I think it's more of a COVID thing. Gotcha. But sometimes, you know, a show's just super good. And you just got to watch all six episodes right at once. But then I don't ever, my husband is not like that at all. He's my TV watching partner. And he's like one episode or even just half of one episode. And so, then yeah. up and gone. Mm-hmm. I, I, I rarely make it through an episode of something. It's an effort yeah. to do that. That's what it's like to watch TV with him too. Yeah, not that I, not that I, I wouldn't want to, but but by the time I settle down and if I'm really gonna put myself into watching a TV show or something, I fall asleep. I just do. <laughs> yeah, the moment you relax, it's over. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I'm 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 running around, right? Getting stuff yeah. done. There's much to do, and 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 frankly, for the most part, I'd rather do those things. I'd rather use the time on the things I'm working on. Um, I get great joy out of it and uh, and success. And I know if I don't do it, it's gonna it's gonna weigh on me. And I hate that feeling. I hate that feeling of that I have stuff I have to do that I haven't gotten to. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. I do find that while I binge watch or watch half an episode with my husband, I usually have my computer or my email open. And so I'm not really fully committed to whatever I'm watching, which then I, when I'm thinking about it now, talking this through, I feel like I could get my work done or whatever I'm working on faster if I didn't have the TV on in front of me. And I would also enjoy whatever that show I was watching better if I weren't also working during it. (laughs) So I'm just doing both things not as good. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, And so trying to do things, trying trying to be smart about what you're doing. And and (laughs) there is no such such thing as multitasking. That's very true. But I would disagree with you when I'm in the middle of multitasking. Well, yeah, multitasking is doing nothing well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're doing a lot of things half-assed. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So these are, you know, I, um, I have been paying a lot of attention because of some of the people I've been interviewing lately have been telling me about their, their routines or things they do. Um, and, I, and I've got some, I think from when reading the Atomic Habits book and some other books, I've picked up some other little little nuanced changes about how I do things, um, even down to like using my electric toothbrush rather than my old-fashioned toothbrush and making sure uh. and gamification of doing my toothbrush. Literally, I'm making, you know, making a game out of it, you know, my points, right? I get my, I'm on day 157 of Duolingo, right? Doing my nice. French, you know, let me French, hundreds. okay. Mm-hmm. Right? But I have to, I recognize that I have to gain things for myself. Like that, like that's the motivator. Oh, I don't want to yeah. let the street. Which is yeah, I totally bizarre. get it. But it's you know it works right. It comes from some of these books and some of these other things. I've been I've been going deeper into mindfulness. Um, when I went on my bike ride, and I listened to I had all this time to listen to books and things, and I had listened to a one book about about mindfulness. And it, it was very, very interesting. But I was already doing uh, a, a certain amount of meditation, uh, albeit probably not super well and not um, 
with enough consistency. So building a consistent practice has been um, important to me. And so I've, I've been gobbling up readings and playing with different tools and different apps on mm -hmm. um, to help me develop a, uh, doesn't help me develop it, but to find a system for a practice that I can do consistently. Mm. Because again, for me, gamification, got to build that, right. got to build something where there's, and there's be tracking because I have to see, I have to see that, uh, that I'm, that I have a streak, right? I actually found this great tool called streaks and you can make a streak out of anything. You can basically, it's an app and you can set, um, what you want to track, whatever it is. So you can basically gamify anything you do by making a streak out of it, making a, um, this consistent goal and then having to, having to check in on it every day that you did it or, or either did it or didn't do it depending on what it is. Right? Have you, have you found, I mean, what's a random example that you're currently tracking your streak on? Flossing. Okay. That is random. I was a, I was a, a couple of time a week flosser. And now I'm an every morning flosser. Nice. That's good. Your dentist yeah. is going to be very proud of you. I hope so. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a good one, right? It's random. That is a good one. I've uh, actually, now I haven't found, um, I haven't been tracking my streak, but flossing is one that I've also been trying to do every day. But I don't have an app, so I don't actually know if I've done it every day, but I feel like I've done a good job. <laughs> you might want to check out Streaks. Uh, that's just I the app. I'm using a different app for, for water intake, although I might switch over to Streaks for that because I don't want too many tools. But trying to be consistent about, you know, I carry around a big 40-ounce water bottle. Uh, I carry it to work. Here's a funny thing I learned. If I had the water bottle on my desk all day, I'd go home and it would still be half full. So I drank mm. 20. I brought a cup into the office. So now I pour it from the water bottle into the cup. So the cup is sitting in front of me. It's clear. It's open. It's full of water. I use that one. I use that entire water bottle every day. And very often I refill it during the day. Yeah. So I'm trying to get so to, funny. I would like to get to a consistent one gallon of water a day if I can, uh, which is an awful lot of water to consume. It's a good amount. Yeah. So, it's a lot. Uh, but that's a, that's another new one that I'm working on, but finding, recognizing that some things weren't working for me and then something as stupid as bringing uh, a turvis tumbler to my office and putting it on my desk. And now I have the water bottle and I refill the glass and I'm drinking the water. I don't think it's stupid at all because that's what I do. So I have a little coffee cup and I pour my water into it and that's what I drink water out of. Cause I won't think about it, I guess. Don't drink it out of the bottle. Nope. I'll, I started it because I thought drinking out of my water bottle looked bad on meetings. Cause now we're all doing virtual meetings. So then I brought the coffee cup in. So then it's like, I'm on a game show, a game show. I'm on a late night show. They have water in their coffee cups and it looked better on camera. And then the next thing I knew I was blowing through my water. And that's just what I do now. See? How crazy. It is crazy. What our minds do. How we can trick our mind also. 
and yet, and so you you just came back from from a few days away, and uh, I know we're we're just about out of time, but um, I think it's also while we're talking about all these tips and tricks and things to make our minds do other things and work harder, it is also important to find that time to decompress a little bit. You told yes. me you were on the beach reading your Kindle. Yeah, I was, and I wasn't reading anything hard either. Just reading like beach novels. <laughs> no, but that's, you don't. I mean, I am. I I tend to read more books, more nonfiction than fiction. But mm-hmm. you like on occasion to read a junk novel. And I, two of my favorite books of all time that I read every few years are junk novels that I go back to. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's nice. I haven't read a. And it's not even really a junk novel. It's historical fiction. So it's not like <laughs> totally junk, but you know, for me, it's, it's a light reading. So what are you reading? I think it's called the four winds. That's the problem with the Kindle is I can't keep up with the names of the books or the authors, <laughs> but I know it's about the Dust Bowl. It might be fiction about the Dust Bowl. See, I don't even know um okay but it's been very interesting i haven't read anything about that time period about what it was like to live during the dust bowl whether it's fiction or nonfiction. um i mean it's definitely nonfiction. i just don't know uh anyway it's been nice to read something that wasn't very intellectually stimulating how's that (laughs) that's all that's important though that's that like you said that's that's part of it so mm-hmm. we're basically out of time. I said I was coming back to it. And I never asked the question. So leave us with this. What is your favorite opera, Miss Opera Singer? Okay, I have two favorite operas. So one is my favorite because it was the first opera I was ever in. And I think it's a very accessible opera for new people coming to be introduced to opera. And that's The Magic Flute by Mozart, Die Zauberflute. And then my second one is uh, Il Pagliacci, which is a, a like opera's version of a short story. And it's, um, it's only like an hour long and it's about a clown whose life goes to shit. It's very dramatic. He kills his wife. It's so opera, <laughs> just, I mean, and then they sing about how they're dying. It's amazing yeah. and it's short. Clowns killing people. That's the. Uh, <laughs> I think Stephen I King wrote a book about that too. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> can you? Can you can, uh, I'm going to put in the spot, but and I, we're. So who cares? So, can you sing us out with a passage? I mean. Yeah. Okay. Viva Pagliaccio. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I That's got. All I got. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Elizabeth. Uh, as always, love the conversations, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye, Mark. Bye-bye.